The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Hello, my friends. Thanks for joining us again as we are working our way through the book of Jonah. We just finished chapter one yesterday, and we are working our way now into chapter two. And more than likely, we'll cover all of chapter two today. And that's one of the unique things about studying uh, Old Testament is it's really a lot of it's a narrative. And so to get the full context and, and fully understand what's going on, you have, usually get larger sections of scripture uh, than you would say in the New Testament. So if you're following along with us in Scripture, we are in Jonah, uh, Jonah chapter 2. Now I will say uh, this, that as, as we look at this passage in Jonah, one of the things that I want us to look at is the idea that we are coming to the point of what we look at is Jonah's repentance. Um, and can I tell you, again, sometimes we look at this and say, you know, it's the harshness of God that gets us, but it is the grace of God that brings us to where we need to be. We said this yesterday that if we're headed a wrong direction, only someone who loves us brings us back. And a loving God will always bring us back. Again, it's not punishment, it's discipline, it's correction, it's helping us anything a father or mother would do for a child or for a friend. And that's really what you're looking at. And this is one of the greatest things that can happen. One of the greatest things that can happen in your life is when you acknowledge your direction, it's going the wrong way. It's hurtful. And God allows circumstances, other people, whatever it is, to bring you back to where you should be. It's the place of blessing. It's a place of fulfillment and peace. And that, it's not always easy, but that's the process. When we see what God is doing to Jonah, we see an immense amount of grace as God could have just said, Jonah, I'm done, but God's bringing him back in so that he can still be usable by God. So we see this starting in chapter 2. So chapter 2, the Bible says, And Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me. Now, I love this fact. I guess we'll just kind of walk through. We'll see how long, how far we get through. But so the first thing we recognize is he is in the fish's belly. Um, there's just an awful lot of intrigue in that. Again, one of the few places he probably could have stayed alive down in, in, in the sea where he was. But it's intriguing that he had been there three days now. Um, he was there uh, three days and three nights, and so he's finishing this. And after three days and three nights of just his stubbornness, he finally, he was finally willing to repent. The idea of repentance is just agreeing with God that where we're going is wrong and willing to make a complete change. It's not just, okay, I was wrong. I'm making a complete change in my life and going the opposite direction. It's repentance. Repentance is a great way to look at it as turning around and say, this is the wrong direction. I'm going to change directions. But I love it when he says, I cry to the Lord because of my affliction. And here's the thing I love. He says in that verse, and he answered me. You know, one of the greatest parts about coming back to God, no matter where you are, is the fact that when you come, he will always hear you. Sometimes people think, I've gone too far. God won't hear me. I've done too much. And you say, well, if, only, if God knows, if you only knew. First of all, God does know what, he, what we've done. But he's also promised us in 1 John that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all righteousness. It is an all things, all time promise. The, the idea if we confess is present tense. It's a constant thing. It's not a one time thing. Well, I messed up. God won't forgive me again. It's a constant daily, maybe multiple times a day type of thing. And I love the fact that he said, even after all of my rebellion, all of the things that I've done to run from God, at this point, when I finally turned to God, God was there immediately. Can I tell you, I don't know where you are. I don't know what circumstance you find yourself in, but I can tell you this, 
that when you turn back to God, he's always ready to forgive. He is wanting to forgive is something that we look at. So then uh, he says that, he's like, we're still actually in verse um, uh, 2. He goes, I cried to the Lord my affliction. He answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. So we do see in the second half of that phrase, you see that it is personable. You, God, you, he's not just praying to a... Um, an ambient being in the sky or an unknown person. He is, he is praying personally to Almighty God. But I love what he says, out of the belly of Sheol. Now, you look at Sheol and say, what in the world is that? Sheol is actually a Hebrew word, uh, and it's referencing a place that many would call hell. Uh, now, here's the reason why it's unique. It's a location, Some many theologians believe it's in the center of the earth. Well, wherever it is, it's where many would call Abraham's bosom. If you study, um, or paradise is another word, if you were to study in Luke, the story of rich man and Lazarus, you see there's a story. Now, many believe it's a parable. I just don't believe. I believe it's real for a myriad of reasons. Um, but you've got the rich man who ended up in hell, but he could see Lazarus afar off in what was called Abraham's bosom or paradise. And then the story says there's a great gulf that was broken between the two of them. That is the place of Sheol. And uh, what happened was when Jesus died, and the Bible says in Ephesians, he went down, down, he led captivity captive. He took those because he now had gone to the presence of God, put his blood on the altar, and now they could go to the presence of God. So he went down to Sheol and he took uh, all of those in, in paradise and take, took them to heaven. And the Bible says, and hell has expanded itself without measure, and it took over that spot. So that's basically saying, you've driven me to the point of basically I feel like I'm in hell, which is, is, is sometimes when we go from God, that's exactly how we feel. Now, I notice also, um, here, let's, let's, let's continue on. I don't want to get ahead of myself. He says in verse 3, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me, and your billows and your waves passed over me. The one thing that's intriguing here is notice he is not saying these sailors threw me over. He is saying, God, you put me here. Now, we acknowledge the sovereignty of God here. We acknowledge the grace and mercy of God here. Because in his sovereignty, God knew what was necessary to get Jonah to realize what was necessary to get Jonah to turn around, to recognize his selfishness, to recognize where he's wrong and turn around. And it's God the one who does that. So let me give you a couple principles from this. Number one, if you're praying for somebody, um, sometimes we, we have this tendency, we pray for somebody and then we constantly kind of scream at them hoping that we can get them to change their direction. And at different ages, if they're younger, that's a different story than if they're adults. But if you're praying for something, ultimately the only person who's truly going to get that person to repent, turn and come back to God is God. He's the only one. So what we do is if we really want that, we got to go back and pray more to God. The other thing is, this is not just a random thing. God in his love and his mercy comes personally to Jonah, personally takes the steps necessary to get Jonah back to the place that Jonah needed to be. It wasn't anyone else. You can't even say, you know, Jonah got himself there, but God made these decisions. And so you see God's hand and all the loving hand of God's grace and mercy back there. And by the way, when God comes to us, wherever we are, especially if we find ourselves going from God or in sin, and he's bringing us back, I hope you remember it's not guilt that he brings. All right, Satan brings guilt. Satan, the one that beats you up and says, how dare you be here? I can't believe this. A good Christian would never be here. And he beats you down. That's what Satan does. He beats you down with guilt. 
Jesus builds you up with conviction. I know we look at that word and we say, that's a hard word. It sounds the same thing. No, guilt wants me to make me feel horrible and stay, wants me to stay in guilt, wants me to stay in that bad position. Conviction is the God, God speaking to, to woo us back to a good place. It's always like, you're here, you should be in this place. It's always bringing us back to the presence of God, to the forgiveness of God, to the grace of God. Guilt leaves us in this place of misery. Conviction draws us back back to a place of forgiveness. And that's what we're referencing in this passage. And he referenced how everything had surrounded him. And he says in verse 4, Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. So he acknowledges the position he was in as a result of his sin. But you know, the interesting thing is he also says, I've been cast out of your sight. Now, again, I do not believe in our day, now granted, this is Old Testament, a little different, but in our day, there's passages we've seen like this where God has moved them out or out of the sight, we think, well, they've lost their salvation. No, that's not what it means because there was no regaining of salvation. Uh, what we're seeing is that as a Christian, God can set us aside and say, you know what? I'm not gonna be able to use you anymore. You got a prophet who's been given a wonderful opportunity by Almighty God to go preach repentance to a horrible nation, and that the, the grace of God would be used to see that nation turn back to God. And this man said, not a chance. And so God says, okay, you can go where you're going, and I'm going to let you stay there, and you'll never be used again unless you repent. That he's been placed out. Kind of, we say, put on the shelf, set aside. That is the premise of what we're seeing here. It's not a loss of salvation. Uh, and that's what he's looking at. And he sees what... God is doing in that scenario, and he is willing to turn back, and he said, I've been cast out. He didn't want to continue to be. He goes, my selfishness brought me here, but it's not worth being here. Well, we're going to pick up, we're going to drop, stop here and pick up and go through the rest of chapter 2 tomorrow so we can walk through this repentance. I think it's important to look at because uh, it gives us a great understanding of the heart of some repentant and some we can acknowledge. In these first two thoughts, you acknowledge that I am here as a result of my decision. I'm here because God loves me enough to use circumstances to get me here. And, then, and because of those decisions, I've been placed out of God's blessing. I've been placed out of God's direction, out of His will. And those we find ourselves. That's where Jonah finds himself. And then we'll talk a bit about how he acknowledges his turn next time in the next episode. We do appreciate the time you've given us. Hope you stick with us as we continue through this book. And I hope it's an encouragement. Thanks again for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you again next time.